When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Bob Gruen, rock and roll photographer from New York, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Well, hello once again. Welcome back to another episode of History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. Pleased, as always, to be part of this fast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, uh, basically Google, you'll find me kind of thing. Um, yeah, so this is uh, this is episode 195 of History and Five Songs. I'm, ca- I'm calling this Paying Your Dues. Um, so we've done an episode uh, 102 on uh, we called it "Here Comes Success!" exclamation mark, and it was about all the various measures of success. And I've I've always been fascinated by uh, when I interview these guys, uh, you know, their ideas of success, and then you hear their backstory, and you're thinking, oh, how how. How much did they pay their dues? In what ways did they pay their dues? Did they get by without paying their dues kind of thing? So it's interesting hearing the backstories of these bands and how much work they put in. Um, And I'm also reminded of, uh, you know, being on the Cradle of Filth bus. I'm pretty sure it was Cradle of Filth. And sitting around doing an interview, talking, drinking beers or whatever it was. And they're playing like ACDC, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll, right? Which basically outlines all the different ways you can you can uh, pay your dues as a rock band. All the all the rites of passage you sort of go to, go through. So I, I want to also, in, in terms of this paying your dues, you know, when you have paid your dues and you have some success, I do want to talk a little bit about what does success mean? Um, you know, are you still paying your dues while you have certain kinds of success? That's something we're going to get into uh, as well. So, uh, so yeah, let's, um, let's start exploring this. I've split it up into categories, the different ways, you know, some, some interesting stories of paying your dues and what is the typical way of paying your dues kind of thing as well. So, um, Let's get into the first track here. Take a listen to this. This is Black Sabbath with Hand of Doom. Now you wait your turn. You know there's no return. All right, so the category here is basically instant success, fast success, not really having to pay your dues, getting by without paying your dues. And why, in a lot of cases, can you do that? Uh, Sometimes it's luck. um, Sometimes it's corruption. uh, Who knows? But in Black Sabbath's case, 
it's because they had talent. They had a good idea. Um, and I'm not even saying so. So here, let's let's start rolling out some of these things. One of the one of the things in terms of paying your dues is woodshedding on your instrument, right? These guys, uh, these guys really probably didn't even woodshed all that long because they're not that old when they're doing doing the first album, right? Um, so it's it's not about it's not about woodshedding. Uh, and in this case, you know, I'm calling this category instant success because Black Sabbath really weren't a, a band for a long time. There was the Polka Tuck Blues Band and Earth uh, into Black Sabbath, but this is a very compressed time frame, you know, 68, 69 kind of thing. They're, they're putting this all together in there, and they've got the first album out uh, February, Friday the 13th, 1970. It's It's... Not fully an instant success, but the next album's pretty much a success, and they're off to the races. And more importantly, they're out of Birmingham and over over to America pretty soon, right? So, so pretty pretty soon they've got success that is excitement around the band, sales, and they're getting to uh, you know basically be a touring rock band, getting out of let alone Birmingham, getting out of the UK uh, pretty fast. So so I think this is a this is a funny situation of a band that uh, basically didn't have to pay their dues very much. Another one that's a little bit in this category, but but these these guys are paying a little more dues. Uh, but you know, people don't notice the dues they're paying. So that's the other thing with these, with the idea of paying your dues. A lot of these bands we're going to talk about paid a lot of dues to get where they were, and everybody thinks, oh, you know, big rock star instant success in that. And you know, and they will remind you in interviews, it wasn't easy, right? It's a long way to the top. But Led Zeppelin's a, a funny one. So you got two young guys in the band who didn't pay particularly a lot of dues, and then you've got some session guys that that had been around a little bit longer, kind of thing. So they're they're a minor super group getting put together. Together, but they are an instant success. So there's really there's really not a lot of heavy duty dues playing um, paying in Led Zeppelin to get where they are. Uriah Heep, kind of the same thing. You got the pre band Spice, but there isn't a long long history of of lack lack of success. Um, you know, I, I looked at a few others that I I thought were were sort of pretty instant. Uh, Creed to uh, to go to a whole different world. Uh, you know, the the grunge new metal world formed in '94. My own prison was an indie album actually first. Um, Six thousand copies uh, sold, but by '97, um, you know they're blowing up. That that album's doing well. They they worked really hard, but then the next album they're absolutely huge. So I I don't I don't I feel this is a, a little bit of an instant success thing. Um, Corn formed in '93, the Corn album in '94, Life Is Peachy in '97, pretty darn instant. Uh, and you know, and I gotta say, uh, in Corn's case, maybe a little more than Creed because Creed you can rip on them for being you know, you know the uh, the sort of uh, next wave of grunge sort of thing. But Corn, you know, they're kind of inventing this new metal thing. They they do have talent. They're strange. They're making exciting new different music, kind of like Black Sabbath, right? Um, so, so they deserve their success, their fast success. They don't really have to pay their dues um, uh, because they had a great idea. Boston is a funny one, right? Boston is a, is the situation of building this monster Frankenstein monster album in a lab kind of thing, but there's not this massive touring history, and there's not even a lot of years. So Boston is kind of an instant success. That's one of the biggest selling albums of all time. Their debut, they come back in '78, so soon enough, and then notoriously, you know, it gets longer and longer. But yeah, that's that's an instant success. Um, 
you know, you can think of scenes a little bit, and you can think of Alice in Chains being kind of Johnny on the spot. Pearl Jam even more so, instant success. That first album, 10, blew up immediately. There's not a lot of years in background with these guys. Um, and again, all these guys are kind of young. There's not a long, long history of even having to woodshed or do anything like that. We're going to get into the other things uh, as well, but I'm, I'm trying to hold some of this back to to, uh, to put into these categories. Uh, Kiss is a funny case. Um Again, not a long, long history. You know, we do have we do have Wicked Lester kind of not turning out for Gene. We have Peter Chris in a band that makes an actual album, Chelsea. Um, but again, these guys are you know they're just they're just fooling around, piddling around. They're they're not they're not you know this isn't a long history of wearing themselves out to become Kiss sort of thing. So so they form basically uh, 73, 74 there, and then boom, they're into the album. Now the funny thing about Kiss is that uh, here, here, you know, with all of these, you get into the idea of what is success, right? So I, I think you can pretty much say Kiss had no really feeling of success uh, through those first three studio albums. Um, you know, they're they're not even really making a wave. They're actually getting a lot of ridicule. So when you put the ridicule on top of not really making a lot of inroads and being just perennially broke. You can't say that they they even felt a whole lot of feeling of success. You get to Kiss Alive, and now they're blowing up a little bit, and you feel there is some success there. But, you know, the dirty secret in the Kiss camp is you you take a few more years before you're even really making very much money out of this whole thing, right? So, so yeah, um, well, you know, I suppose I suppose uh, Destroyers... Yeah, that's the other thing I wanted to mention about Kiss. So... Um, one cool thing that happens in the old days like that is uh, they cram a lot of activity into a short period of time. So you think of 73 through to 76, and they put out two albums in 76. That's not a lot of time to, to pay your dues. And I, I don't feel that this is a band that, that you know, woodshedded and woodshedded and woodshedded for years and years on their instruments to get where they are as well. Um, so, yeah, you could say, you could say if, if you looked at the action events and, and, and not, not the, you know, not put the temporal on it, but just look at all the stages KISS went through, it looks like it's a spread out path to success. But if you look at how many years it took, it wasn't a lot of years. Um, the Who's kind of a funny one, uh, you know, that you could talk about the nature of success. Again, notoriously um, sort of bad situations, spending a lot of money, wasting a lot of money. They're 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 crazy guys, um, but they have instant notoriety. They get instant press. The girls are hanging on them, all that stuff. So so essentially, um, you know, what is rock and roll success? As stupid kids, you know, they probably thought they were sort of successful. Maybe the money wasn't there for, for quite a while, um, but they're kind of successful out of the gate. Um, but it's but it's a little bit of, a, I guess you could say this is a little bit of a typical success story in that um, you're getting to do all the things a rock band does, but there's but the dirty secret is there's there's no money in it yet, kind of thing, and that and that goes for a while. You know the the breakthroughs, uh, you know, are are arguably I guess Tommy and and who's next and 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 they're you know kind of on the road, right? Grand Funk's a funny one. That's pretty much instant success with not a lot of history before those guys. They form in '69, they got a record in '69, and then they have all these gold records in a row. So that's pretty wild. Um, all right, let's move on to our next selection here. Take a listen to this. This is Van Halen with On Fire. Yeah. 
Okay, the Van Halen situation is kind of a weird one. The category here is roughly paid your dues at home and then instant success. Um, so Van Halen is a band that the guys got to live at home with their families. They, they basically, there's a massive market just around the LA area. They don't have to go very far. The first album comes out February 10th, 1978, but they're essentially, you know, uh, the band forms arguably in late 73, early 74, however you want to look at it. David Lee Roth ingratiates him in, in himself into the band. He's renting them a PA and then he's saying, oh, but I got to do a couple songs with you. They hated David Lee Roth. They had him audition back in 71. He did terrible. He's still not a very good singer. He somehow ingratiates himself into the band by the charm and the talk. Um, you know, Mikey's in the band, so they go from from these various uh, band names, Trojan Rubber Company, uh, Broken Combs, I think was the first band, Mammoth is the is the first serious band, I suppose, um, and so they're into Van Halen, and the funny narrative here all along is that is that everybody's looking at David Lee Roth and saying, I don't know if he's 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 that great. Uh, he's definitely not a very accurate singer. Put it that way to start with. Um, so they have their first little bit of success when Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley see them at the Starwood and, uh, and um, you know, say, we, we want to sign you guys. We've got a production company. Gene's got Man of a Thousand Faces thing going. So they actually go a- after they see their set. Oddly enough, they went to see the boys with George Lynch, um, and they didn't do so hot, but but they loved Van Halen. And so they went in and recorded some demos immediately. They recorded some demos in New York. And then Bill Aukoyne, um, was not that pleased with uh, David Lee Roth and the singing and stuff, and it kind of fell through. And then they shopped that around and didn't did get very far. Then Ted Templeman and Mo Austin and Russ Titleman see them, and um, and uh, you know uh, Ted Templeman loves them, um, but reservations again about the singer. They almost call Sammy uh, Sammy Hager to replace Dave, kind of thing. Um, so yeah, pretty interesting situation. They're they're moving along. They've got they've yeah. Everybody loves Eddie Van Halen. He's amazing. But so this is a band that um and and they're not even really having that much success in this uh in this category here. Now this category, the interesting thing about this category is um. You've got that cushy home life. It's not you don't you don't got a lot of expenses. There's not a lot of uh, risk for danger. You're not out on the road. Um, you're essentially uh, getting to uh, getting to have your and these guys did woodshed. Of course, Alex and Eddie woodshedded like crazy. Mikey was pretty serious about what he was doing. He went and got some really good gear. Um, David Lee Roth was ambitious and he came along, you know, by just by the uh by the how does that work? The skin of the hair on your neck or whatever. David Lee Roth stays in the band because Ted decides, you know, just barely barely I can work with this guy and even when they're making their record, you know, they would send everybody home and they would work, you know, him and Don Landy would work super hard on Dave's vocals. Um, but anyways, the point is, is from late 73 through to 1978, that's, that's a fair number of years of not a lot of success and just trying to make it. And, and they had a lot of shows, a lot of shows around town that there were not a lot of people at. They had the famous backyard parties, but they're having fun, right? They're young guys having fun, being in a band, making music. Is that a form of success? Well, whatever, maybe it's not, but what happens is the album comes out in February of 78, it goes platinum by October 78. They're superstars by the end of the year, uh, or stars anyways. You know, Van Halen 2 comes out rapidly after that. They're essentially, you know, 
America's favorite band, uh, you know, in, in a, a year, year and a half, two years, they're just cranking out the albums. They're massive. They're a massive band by, by the likes of, you know, Women and Children First and Fair Warning and certainly into Diver Down and, uh, and, uh, and 1984. They're absolutely huge. So this is a band, you know, in this category that, that yeah, I, I like to say um, they paid their dues at home. Uh, and then instant success because the instant success literally comes as they're on their first tour ever, right? So, so they're they're going out. I think it's with Journey and Montrose to begin with, and then Black Sabbath later, and then all those famous stories of blown Black Sabbath off the stage. But yeah, so this is this is getting the cushy home sort of thing, and and another and some other category or bands in this category. Um, I almost feel like Iron Maiden is a little bit like this um, because you know England is not that big, but I mean they they essentially. Um, stayed pretty close to, uh, you know, East London and all that kind of thing. But, you know, Steve Harris is starting this band. It's essentially 1974, 75. They go through a ton of members, right? So so it's a long time, but you're getting to do it essentially at home. Um, you know, they're, they're going along, not having a lot of success. The first album comes out. They're kind of an instant success. Everybody loves them. By the time Killers, they're a super exciting band. Everybody thinks they're great. Um, so, yeah, you're, you're getting the critical acclaim. You're getting a rapid rise. Rod Smallwood's involved. They eventually get Bruce. So I, I feel like this is a paid your dues at home, then instant success. Um, and in, uh, importantly, and we're going to get to this, um, if you've noticed, this pay your dues at home with instant success is without any records out, right? So that's kind of the point here too. Uh, you're just you're just kind of a nobody band for this long period of time, but but you know that's it. You don't you don't go anywhere. You're not making records. You're not on tour. Uh, Twisted Sister, I think, is really uh, fits this category as well. These guys have formed as far back as like 1973, um, you know, and then finally they're getting a record out. They get under the blade out. They get. Um, you can't stop rock and roll. I think under the blade is 80, 81. Um, yeah, I think it's 81. And then, and then, um, you can't stop rock and roll 82, 84, I believe for, um, for, for the one that, you know, breaks the band and then they do really well at that point. But even the second one went gold. But yeah, so this is a situation very much like Van Halen, but they're actually even bigger heroes than Van Halen. Um, you know, in uh, they're, they're playing these very large gigs. They're setting the whole thing up themselves, renting the halls. They're playing around New Jersey, New York area. They're getting, you know, hundreds and thousands of people out all the time. So they're, they're kind of like um, big, big, huge local heroes. So it, it's the kind of band where you do hear these situations where the label guy will come in and say, wow, these guys already have a built-in audience. They, they know what they're doing. They're on their way. They're just not, they're just not at the record. Nobody's, nobody signed them yet. Um, so that happens a lot as well. You know, there's other funny situations with these bands where, um, where you don't hear about them. So again, it's with no records and they're, they're basically at home. Uh, kick Axe, Kickaxe, you know, Vices came out in 83. They formed in 75. They're from the prairies. Uh, Exciter, first record is, I think it's 83 for that record. Um, and they formed in 1978. Um, so, yeah, so there's, uh, let's see, do we have any more? That's that's basically it for this category. Um, 
This episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or you're maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or work not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video phone and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And special offer to History in 5 Songs with Martin Popoff listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash 5 songs. That's better. H-E-L lp.com slash five songs thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode hello pantheon podcast listeners christian swain here to tell you more about my experience with raycon earbuds our family now has three pairs of raycon earbuds around the house and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price and yes she loves them now if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of raycons or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. All right, let's move on to our third selection here. Take a listen to this. This is Rush with Best I Can.
Okay, the category here is the staying at home thing, um, but also Rush is a band that that moved around cold and chilly Ontario, big province here in Canada. We're going to get to that in a sec. But this is this is a band that uh, that had that long period of uh, of woodshedding and getting nowhere and playing a lot of shows before they ever had an album out and. Then they had the period where they weren't very successful with records out. Um, so the funny thing about Rush, I, I, I took a little look at this to remind myself. So so Rush forms in 1969. The first album comes out in 74. By 1970, they're, they're leaving Willowdale in Toronto area, and they are actually going out to high schools and places and playing uh, gigs around Ontario. And, and Ontario is a big place. There's some driving. There's some winter driving. There's some cold conditions. You hear some great stories about, uh, about these guys and, and, and the hardships they endured doing this. But the funny thing is they go all the way to, to May 18th, 1974, they play a small festival bill in East Lansing, Michigan at the Northside Drive-In. Okay, so that's their first time in America. Uh, then they play Cleveland on June 28th, 74. So again, they've been around for five years or four and a half years or whatever it is. But the funny thing here is they still have not played in any province outside of Ontario. So, so like I say, Ontario, big province, you know, the, the way it's situated, you know, it is a little ways to get to other provinces, granted. But that, that's the funny thing. So they play these two dates. So they still haven't played another province in Canada. Then they go on a big U.S. tour. I mean, um, they, they, uh, Neil joins the band. The, the first show is in Pittsburgh. They do about 14 dates. I believe this, yeah, this is the Uriah Heap situation. Um, so they, so they get an American tour, still haven't been outside the province, uh, besides America. Uh, they finally play Montreal November 1st, 1974, supporting Nazareth and Rory Gallagher. And then they have another, uh, U.S. tour. Um, and it's, I, I believe it's bigger than the first one. And then they play Winnipeg, um, uh, January 15th, 1975. So they literally play Montreal and Quebec and they play Winnipeg, Winnipeg in Manitoba, um, literally all the way up to their second album. Pretty crazy. Um, Judas Priest, I feel, is kind of like this as well. So, uh, and again, um, you know, you can hear more about the the comparisons between these two bands because I think I did a whole episode on Judas Priest comparing them to Rush. Um, but Judas Priest, same kind of thing. Um, you know, England is not, uh, you know, the UK is not a huge place. So I, I feel like it's still sort of sticking close to home. But they form in 1969 as well. And their first album is 1974 as well. So they go all those years, a lot of changes uh during that time and they're and they're playing you know they're not playing just in Birmingham kind of thing but just like Rush uh they have two or three or four albums where um they they really don't make any money in fact they go longer than Rush without really making any money but what is success they're on a major label they're making some of the best music ever made uh you know so they're being very creatively actualized self-actualized so they're having that sort of success but they are absolutely stone broke really all the way up until uh you know pretty much past uh hell bent for leather in the live album and, and it's into british steel where they finally have start having some su- success you know rush, rush starts having success with 2112 so it doesn't take them that long um 
But yeah, so so the category here is is long period before you get a record deal, and then a long you know a pretty long period of of not having making a lot of money um, as a as a band. And Rush, frankly, didn't make you know very good money until until basically after moving pictures kind of thing. Um, so yeah, they're in this category. Scorpions is another one that's in this category, and then and they're even worse. I mean, they 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 literally they started in 1964. Um, so essentially, um, and they're you know and they're they're stuck in Germany kind of thing, West Germany at this point, right? Um, so they they their first album, I think, Lonesome Crow is about 72, I believe, and then Fly to the Rainbow, I think, is 74. Uh, and yeah, In Trance 75, Virgin Killer 76, Taken by Force 76. Seven uh, live album Tokyo Tapes seventy eight I believe so so essentially um, they go from sixty four to seventy two being nobody you know basically not having any success they continue on not having really any success uh, pretty much until until Uli's gone and Matthias is in and they and they put out Animal or I Love Drive into Animal Magnetism you could say and then and then even then they're not that huge a band right um so yeah that they're definitely um you know you want to talk about a band that paid their dues and I'm sure did a lot of woodshedding along the way it's Scorpions um Pink Floyd is another one um not exactly in this category but sort of uh in the in the um well the the short story is that Dark Side of the Moon is their eighth album. You know, you think, wow, Pink Floyd, all that success. Look how, look how, you know, great, great things are going. But yeah, they go eight albums before they they have success. Um, you know, a little bit like this, but a little bit more typical is the case of ACDC. They're from Australia. They're, they're kind of making, they don't have a long period of time before they're making records and they're super young, but it's kind of the slow rise where, where they have these little successes along the way. They're getting their deals, but they have a lot of talent. People are excited about them, and uh, and things start picking up. Basically, you're doing... So that, this is the other thing about success and paying your dues. Like, you know, bands complain that we didn't have any money, so ACDC probably really didn't have any money during around Let There Be Rock and Power Age. Um, but the thing is, you know, all of us from the outside saying, well, you get to do all the things a rock star gets to do. Um, you get you get to tour. You know, I'm I'm sure the party life is pretty fun for them, um, and uh, and you get to uh, make records, right? You know, you you're sitting on that stoop uh, at the end of your life in the rocking chair, and you've got your grandchildren, and and I I tell bands this when they get down, right? You know, it's like. You know, or or they think they haven't accomplished anything in life or whatever, and it's like, you know what? The coolest thing you'll ever accomplish, and it's pretty cool, is that you made some records, and they're sitting there, they're there forever, right? So, so that's a form of success there uh, as well. So, um, all right, uh, let's play our next track here. Take a listen to this. This is the Clash with Safe European Home.
Okay, the category here is punk. So so the idea here of paying your dues is is a general sense that most of the punk bands, because it was a youth revolution, there was not a lot of woodshedding. There was not a lot of paying your dues. You can go through all the lists of all the punk bands and, and clashes included. There's just very little past to any of these guys. You know, you think of Joe Strummer. He was in the 101ers. Um, but yeah, you look at their clothes and their, their, their regular clothes before punk clothes comes in. Maybe their hair is a little long. But there's not a lot of history with these bands. Stranglers are talked about as being slightly older guys, but even they don't have a lot of rock and roll history. The Jammer, Young, you know, they have no history. Elvis Costello has really no history. Um, so, you know, Ramones, Ramones have a little bit of a history, the kind of, kind of 74, uh, leading up to 76 to get their album out. So there's a bit of a history there. Sex Pistols, not a lot of a history. Uh, the Damned, no history whatsoever. Um, so yeah, the, it, the interesting thing here is, uh, did punk bands pay their dues? No, they didn't. And, and how did they pay for it? They kind of paid for it by burning out quickly, making bad decisions, bad record deals. Things don't happen for them. Um, so it, it's almost like um, you know bands realize this, uh, and it's a, it's a it's a story that you know that that whole Malcolm Gladwell Gladwell is that his name uh, putting in your ten thousand hours sort of thing. The punk bands did not put in their ten thousand hours, and it didn't pay off. None of these punk bands you know essentially made it. Um, you know a lot of them didn't have a future history, although they made some great music, and 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 a lot of them you know kept the kept the band going for you think of the Damned, uh, you know long catalog they're still going now. Um, so, so they had a life, they had a rock and roll life, but, uh, yeah, you don't see the success levels out of the, out of the punk bands. Uh, and you can contrast this with the whole new wave of British heavy metal situation. Generally, the short story on those bands is first record, 1980, 81, maybe their first single 79. It's, it's almost laughable that, that a lot of those bands basically started in 74, 75. The, the, the career tra- trajectory is almost identical for most of those bands. Most of them, uh, have their, have their three to four year period of woodshedding and having their garage and basement bands, learning their instrument, learning the, you know, the ins and outs of this stuff. And then, and then modestly coming onto the scene. So yeah, punk, uh, one year history for all those bands before they get their record deals. New Wave British Heavy Metal, three to four year history before they get their record deals. Uh, all right, let's move on to our fifth selection here. Take a listen to this. This is Stars with Subway Terror. All right, so the category here, unfortunately, is paying your dues and never getting your due. Uh, and for that reason, I wanted to pick some bands uh, to mention that that really sting with the whole they should have been huge thing, right? So Stars pays their dues. Um, you know, they don't have a big history before the band. There's that whole looking glass situation or whatever. But they become this band. They're on a major label. They get a lot of hype. There's a lot of ads for these records. The self-titled debut, the second one, Violation. They've got Attention Shoppers, which is the poppy career misstep, Coliseum Rock, and then they're gone. Uh, and then you really hear nothing from any of these guys ever again. They don't really do anything big after that, uh, unfortunately. Um but they had they, everything about them seemed to to scream like these guys should have been huge. It was just good, accessible hard rock with a good lead singer, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Should have been big. Um, 
but yeah, so this is a case of paying your dues and never getting your due. And and before before they didn't pay a lot of dues to get to stars, but they paid their dues during being stars. Um, you know, Angel is kind of like this as well. I think of Max Webster, you know, our, you know, the Canadian band I know and love so well, right? You know, five, six albums out sort of thing. Not a long history uh, before they became Max Webster, but they paid their dues during the entire time and never got the payoff sort of thing. You think of Golden Earring, you know, the, the legendary Dutch band started in like the mid-60s, maybe even early 60s. Um, they had a little bit of a hit with Radar Love and a little bit of a hit with Twilight Zone. Um, I think they got a gold record or two or maybe one. I don't know, something like that. But they, they've got 25 records out or whatever. They, they kept going a long, long, long time. Never never really got big. Budgie. Um, this gets into the whole thing. I almost made the episode this week um, this idea of should have been huge. Um, maybe that'll be next week's. But uh, so I'll, I'll leave a bit of that discussion away. But and it's not really relevant here. Um, you know, in this category, I'm just talking about bands that paid their dues and never got the payoff. But uh, so Budgie, let's just say that for now. This is a band that never got their payoff. They made all these albums, you know. But what is success? Did 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 Burke go to his grave feeling that he was successful? Um, I have a feeling not. He was uh, he was definitely a little cranky and bitter uh, about this whole thing. So uh, yeah, um, you know, some other quick categories. I, I thought of having a whole category paying your your dues with a different band. Um, uh, so yeah, so we have a yeah Steve Hackett, um, you know being being in Genesis and then and then being a solo artist. Same with same with Peter Gabriel. Um, you think of Bruce Dickinson with Samson, Brian Johnson with Jordy. So you could pay your dues in a different band and wind up in a different band and have success or not have success. But it's kind of interesting that you paid your dues in a different band. Motorhead, Lemmy with Hawkwind, and the the other two guys basically Fast Eddie and Phil didn't have much of a history at all. Um. So they get into Motorhead. Uh, and then, you know, I, I thought of other typical ones. Oh, let's not get into it. We've, this has been a long episode already, but uh, I, I find ZZ Top's tra- uh, trajectory fairly typical. Quiet Riot, fairly typical. Bluish Occult, Rat, Dokken. Um, so you think of these bands that have, uh, you know, a typical lead-up period, or even if you're into the albums, it's a slow, slow rise, and then you see some success. Um, so yeah, there's there's a there's a whole way of looking at this as typical. Well, let's let's sum up with that, anyways. Man, this might be the longest episode I've ever done. So the typical kind of thing feels like uh, what what should we pick for a pre-album sort of period? Three years on average. Um, you get the long ones, you get the short ones, but three years sounds about right. Uh, then it's not typical to have a massive hit right out of the gate. So, uh, so hopefully your label doesn't, uh, that's a whole nother thing, you know, in the nineties, you know, with, with CDs and, and all these bands coming out, there would be this thing where, um, you know, if you didn't make it right away, um, you would, you would get dropped. So there's a lot of bands that didn't get that, that trial period of one, two, three, four records. Um, but yeah, think of Pink Floyd, think of Rush. Uh, there's a lot of, think of stars, think of all these bands that never made it at all. They, they still, got their shot for a few records kind of thing so yeah so there's so there's the you know if we were to say typical maybe you had two records three records four records like a kiss 
before you had your hit. So that was kind of maybe your typical thing uh, in the in the 70s. So uh, so yeah, there is typical, but again, um, I wanted to break this into categories and give you some of the some of the funnier stories. So uh, so there you go. We don't have time. I wanted to follow up a little bit on the making base interesting episode of last week. We had we had a bit of a debate going with the likes of King's X and Tom Peterson, Joe Beck, when you know uh, schooling me a little bit on the old cheap trick situation, and I push back and say, well, you know, I could go do it for, you know, I can go check him for my, for my personal, uh, you know, elucidation. But, uh, if I've got nowhere to put that information, I'm not going to go check right now kind of thing. But, and then I, I started thinking of, of, um, Doug Pinnock, famous, famous bass player with famous, famous bass tone. Uh, you know, for, I don't think, I don't think, uh, off the top of my head that I'm completely, thrilled with the bassy intrusion-y things that he does it, it, to me it's more about all the other things together him as a writer him as a singer um you know the songs the harmonies the the progressiveness um but the bass stuff you know when you when you start getting into pineapple skunk and the doug pinnock solo albums and stuff bass gets to be almost a liability with doug sometimes i don't know uh, maybe that's controversial anyways if you like this show and want to support future episodes go to kofi rhymes with no feed.com slash martin popoff hit that red support button buy me a coffee or a pint uh this week i would like to thank lee clifford peter kerr andrew meyer neil miller augustin garcia de Paredes, jeffrey plasky steve polari and brian sager you can go to martinpopoff.com for all your book needs uh the acdc at 50 is selling well that's the one i'm packing up signing and shipping out but i've got the damned book the two alice coopers um still got a lot of the you know the different visual biographies but basically martinpopoff.com for uh for all the books that are in print um yeah you know what maybe i say this too many times but you know let's uh let's say for homework go play some kick axe vices there you go band that was around for a long 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 time before they made their first album talk to you later find all of our shows notes social and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts all songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com 
PantheonPodcast.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.